to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. We have another episode this week of paint rest repeat it's not this week is it it's just this fortnight yeah we've been doing it fortnightly for a whole year over a year Rose. excellent yeah yeah should lock that in and this time we bring you the beautiful eliza ludwig um, from the flow society and we're going to be chatting about how to price your art and beyond just the numbers we're going to be talking about mindset and all of that jazz as well so hello eliza welcome Hey, Roz. Hey, Laura. So good to be here. We are very excited that you said yes. It felt like a proposal, just saying. (laughs) It did. I was so touched. I was like, (laughs) woohoo. We've worked out that in the charts, we're rating at number 11. But if you look like a couple of days after, we're rating at number 56. So I don't know, choose, let's go with 11 and you can just be happy that we're interviewing you. I love chatting, so it's all good. Excellent, excellent. So do you want to start maybe by telling people a little bit about what you do in your business? Because I know artists aren't your main people, but I'm sure you can support them as well. Yeah, actually, it's really interesting. When I first started uh, the business, it was called something else at that stage. But my real passion was to support artists. And I did a lot of collaborations with Shopfronts, actually, that was stocking artists' work. But that actually goes straight into mindset because they didn't see what I did because they don't see themselves as a business or the artists didn't see themselves as a business. So they didn't sort of really feel that they needed what I was providing, but they did. But anyway, that's another story. So yeah, I support businesses essentially make more profit and have more time to do the things that they love. And that may just be part of their business. So I've worked with businesses who want to be able to give back to the community or provide pro bono work. So it's around how do we structure your business so that you still make enough money to survive because if you go out of business, then you're no good to anyone, but then also enable you to do those passion projects, whether that's within your work or not. So yeah, I look at pricing, I look at different income streams, forecasting, making sure you got the cash flow right. And I always do it through a lens of values and time. So making sure that I'm not going to suggest something that really feels uncomfortable for you. I mean, it's always growing a business can often be uncomfortable, but be out of alignment with your beliefs and your values. And I also do it with a lens of time. So, you know, there's no good saying you're going to have a full load of clients and then you don't have time to (laughs) go grocery shopping, for instance. So yeah, do use those lenses as well as money. Yeah, that's a good one. Laura, you've mastered money mindset. (laughs) No, but I've actually been much more intentional about my money. I think for a long time as an artist, and I had this narrative for many years that I was not responsible for managing my money. Like I was not good at managing my money and I just wouldn't really look at it. Things have ramped up and I've got more money coming into my business with all the different income streams. So I really like had to take a look and sit down, not avoid my books, my bookkeeping, like actually, yeah, properly manage it, have a regular invoicing cycle and like keep on top of all of those incomings and outgoings. But then also I found reading Profit First. Have you read that book, Eliza, before? 
Yes, and I heard your interview with Sarah and I heard that you've been reading that book. So, yeah, it sounds like you're really, really embracing it as well. That's great. Yeah, much more intentional around that concept and I feel much more empowered. I think there's a lot more work to do. There's always more work to do, isn't there? And I've looked into your website. I'm like, oh, I could use Eliza's services. (laughs) (laughs) There are heaps of gems on there, by the way. So as a listener or a viewer, go and check out Eliza's website, definitely. As you were saying that update to when we did our last money-related podcast episode was that I've put the profit first thing into action, but this last month I couldn't pay myself. I said to my mom, I said, mom, couldn't pay myself this this fortnight. And she said, well, that's all right. You don't usually make money at all. Like you don't usually pay yourself a salary at all when you're just starting a small business. It's usually three years before your first paycheck and said, ah, 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 profit first says otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about that? Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? And that's, I suppose, going back to what Laura was saying before, it's sort of a belief that that's how it will be. And that's where I see a lot of my clients come in at three-year mark and just sort of say, oh my gosh, I am so busy. I cannot keep up, but I don't have any money in my bank account. I can't pay myself. What on earth have I done wrong? And it's not that you've done anything wrong. It's just implementing those principles right from the start, you know? Well, it's very hard for, it is, sorry, I don't, I'm not doing a woe is us sort of style thing, but it is hard for artists because most artists aren't business trained. They're not trained in managing finances even. So how are we meant to do it? It is genuinely challenging, I think, for a lot of artists. Yeah. Oh, no, I completely agree. I mean, I would say probably for most, most people, unless you actually really have done finance within a business, it's not something that, you know, when I was in corporate, I was supporting the marketing teams and the sales teams. and. And that just wasn't something that they really thought about. It was all about getting the income, getting the sale, seeing the sales uplift from their ads. It wasn't about, well, how much did the ad cost and how much discount did you give to the clients and things like that? So yeah, it isn't. And I did see that there's um, the Barefoot Investor has released one for teens or something. And I thought, well, that's actually really, really good because I think it's really something that a real miss that people should be learning that earlier. And I think just going back to misconceptions, I think also people have such a negative view, you know, they couldn't do trigonometry at high school and therefore they don't think that they can do their numbers within their business. But often, you know, if you say, you know, how much are you going to price this at? And although there is often a bit of an emotional, oh, I don't quite know, generally there's a gut feel there. And, you know, I think they people know a lot more than they believe that they know just because they maybe didn't do really well in calculus or something at high school. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I was not good at maths and I had a whole story around that. Like I'm no good at maths. Like it's really hard for me. The only thing I'm interested in is art and that's fun for me. But when you're changing into like a business, you actually have to learn a whole heap of new skills like marketing, sales, promotion, social media. And money management is a big part of that because, you know, I bet every artist would be like, oh, I wish there was more money coming into my business. But really, like, you have to learn how to do these things and be more intentional. I think, you know, if you're talking about like manifestation and things like that, it's like where your energy goes, like that's where it flows. So yeah, being more aware of that is important. But I just wanted to go back to how you talk about how you work with your clients, Eliza, and with the values aspect. 
that really resonates with me. And I feel like that's what gets me excited about money. So one of my values is travel and adventure. And with implementing that profit first, I've got my 10% profit and that's my business gifting something to me that is in line with my values and my values travel, discovery, adventure. So it really excites me that my business and that 10% that can go to something really exciting for me. So I'm building something and then it's almost like I'm honoring that part of myself. I love that so much. I think that's also where people get hung up is this, you know, there's so much rhetoric around the six figure business and the seven figure business. And like, that's great. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be striving for that or that it's not achievable. But I think what gets lost there is, well, why? Why are you doing that? I worked with somebody recently and she wanted, again, she wanted to be able to donate money to a cause. And so she was looking at all these different ways of earning that money. And they were all so out of alignment with who she was and her values that she would ultimately, even if she could give to this not-for-profit, she would actually feel yucky doing it every day in and day out. And there's no point in that. No, you've got to think about your day-to-day business as well. And most of it, I don't know, most of it needs to be enjoy. I mean, come on, really, for me. <laughs> Certain aspects, not fun, like managing finances. But again, I should change that. But yeah, not all of it's going to be high joy. But if we can maximize it, yeah, totally agree with you on that. This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's Creative Kickstart Coaching Sessions, designed for aspiring artists seeking motivation and support to turn their creative dreams into reality. Go to www.laurajaneday.com slash workwithme to find out more. Now, I'm thinking about our listeners as well, and I feel like a lot of our listeners are in that sort of hobby art space, and they're wanting to start to sell their art to pay for their art supplies. But that's a really big shift. It sounds little because really for your art supplies, I think we've talked about it before, Laura, what did we work out? $100 to $200 a month is what they would need, maybe, roughly. That's just our, I guess. Yeah, sometimes even more. Some artists spend, like art supplies are very expensive. Hmm. Especially if you're talking oils or other, or big canvases. But just that shift to Starting to sell, I think, is massive. Do you have any sort of tips around that or suggestions? I think what's really important is to sort of have a bit of a role, to see your art as having a bit of a role. And I think to also to the point what I made in the introduction in that you can be a business and that doesn't detract from your work and it doesn't detract from who you are. I know certainly myself, even before going into business, I thought I'm not a business owner. You know, I had a very set idea of what that was. But I feel now is a really, really exciting time in terms of there being a lot more, you know, for purpose businesses and things. And you can do good things with your work, even if you are making a profit from it. So I think that's probably the first mindset shift. What I also suggest is sort of have a, you know, a different role for different pieces of work that you're working on or even income streams. So Maybe you teach, maybe you teach students cartoon drawings or something once a week during term time. And that is purely for your art supplies. And then those art supplies might go into a piece which you would like to have as an exhibition, you know, so you can sort of assign different roles to different things that you are working on and recognize that not everything that you're working on necessarily has to make, 
you know, thousands of dollars of profit, they all can have a sort of a role to play both within moving you from your hobby to the next stage, but also moving you, you know, maybe having a more impact or being more accessible to people, whatever that role might be. I love that. I really love that. And I can see that forming in my mind around, yeah, what income streams, they serve a purpose. That's so good. And I feel like, um, because you help people with their product pricing and even like developing like product lines and different things like that. You help look at people's businesses and help them to develop like a pricing strategy and things like that. So is that where you start from? Like with that role, like this is the role and that's a purpose. And, you know, is that part of the formulation of that product line or? Absolutely. So I actually start everyone because so many people don't want to, I remember you saying, I'm not sure if it was Ros or Laura, sorry. They've got the ostrich technique and they put their head in the sand. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Because I don't want to bombard people with loads of numbers right from the get-go. I do start with saying, okay, well, what are your values? Okay. And what are your goals? So what do you want to get out of it? So that's where that role comes in you know, that teaching. So how much time does that take you? And looking at the fact that it's not just the class, but it's, you know, commuting to and from the class, it's preparing for the class, it's making, you know, it's setting up. So um, people often go, well, I, I teach a class, it's an hour and I get paid, you know, $100 or whatever the price may be, but there's a lot more to it than that. And sort of looking at the profitability of all the different income streams you've got. And again, not saying that this income stream is, you know, they've all got to make 80% profit for your time, but sort of saying, okay, well, your teaching is, you know, well, the profitability of that is actually not funding your art supplies. So what, how can we change what you are, what rate you are charging to be able to pay for that? And that's where that comes in. So it can be different profitability by different artworks, different income streams, all of that type of thing. And then building from there, then that's where we would say, okay, well, what's the mix going to be? We call it mix. So what's the mix of teaching versus preparing artworks for exhibition versus you know, selling small pieces in a gift shop, all of that sort of thing. I love it. Again, I think I did this with Sarah Falkinder as well. I'm just sitting here going, I need to book in a session. (laughs) (laughs) I just know that money is like one of those things that is not natural to me. How's that? I'm changing the I'm bad with maths and numbers (laughs) to it's something that it doesn't come naturally. But yeah, I love that. And also I wanted to fast forward again because I thought this was really interesting, was you said you like to start with setting goals and clear goals. And I'm hoping it's not just me. I mean, I'm past this now, but me of the past, that was scared of setting goals. It's like I'd failed before I had already begun or allowed myself to dream. And I feel like maybe our listeners might be in that space as well. Tell some of my listeners, tell us, tell us that you're in the same space because it means it wasn't just me. (laughs) Actually, that's so funny because that's definitely one of the beliefs I've got in my mind is I never achieve my goals. And so I'm trying to rewire that at the same time. And I think that's where the planning can really help because, you know, I hear people say, probably not so much in the art space, but, you know, I want to have five-figure months. I want to have a six-figure year. I want to have a seven-figure year. But without actually looking at how you're going to achieve that, and then you get disappointed because you're not at a million dollars. And it's like, well, actually, you only earned $10,000 last year. Like, that's not impossible, but that's pretty difficult. And if you plan ahead and go, okay, so I'm not going to get to a million this year, but I'm going to get to 50,000. And how do I get to 50,000? I get to 50,000 by having 
two exhibitions, teaching two classes a week and selling this amount of artwork in a cafe, you know, whatever the income makeup is. And then you can sort of feel better about that. I think it's also really important in terms of all of those things, in terms of going back to planning, you know, if you, obviously I'm not an artist, so maybe absolutely impossible to do two exhibitions per year, but how much time is that going to take? And then if you take that away, how much time therefore do you have for your other art, for your teaching, for your, you know, any other works that you are working on for commissions, you know, and just understanding whether that's actually physically possible with the time that you've got. Eliza, I don't know what you're talking about because personally I find that time is not capped. <laughs> yeah, Ross thinks there's an infinite amount of time available and feels every little gap. <laughs> Last time I said something about the ostrich, but now I'm going to say something about the sardine can. Like boom, 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 boom. Just line them up, line up the action tasks. Wish them in. <laughs> That's good. That's great. I wish I had that infinite amount of energy, but For someone like me, I've set my business up to operate part-time and that is due to my energetic limitations and managing a health condition. And I feel like a lot of listeners would probably want to start at a part-time level because they've got other commitments in their life, they've got families, and they can't just jump right into this full-time career with all the, you know, different aspects of running a professional arts practice. So if we are talking to those people that are that's going from zero dollars with money back to cover their art supplies expenses, or if they're wanting to jump up another level and make, you know, between like two hundred or a thousand dollars a month, like slowly, slowly make progress, what sort of tips would you have for like mindset if they struggle to put a price on their art like they've got really those uncomfortable feelings okay yes thank you for reminding me yeah I think the first thing is just sort of going back to you know it's okay to make money from your art in fact you know it's it's a gift it's a real gift I am well this is maybe one of where I, I do not feel very creative I find it very hard but I really really appreciate other people's art so I think it's it's that mindset set shift of it's okay and it doesn't make it dirty and you can make a lot more impact if you are sharing your gifts with the world and that's kind of what we're here for actually all of us whatever our gifts may be I think in terms of just going to that next step again it's looking at the role the values and your goals so you know, if it is just to pay for art supplies, not just, I mean, that's an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's a lot, they are very expensive. My son and my mum really into art. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, okay, well, how would I price these in terms of being able to achieve that and, and able to, you know, to get that money back, both for the supplies that it costs you to create the works that you're selling and then with the profit to be able to invest back into more uh, supplies. And then in terms of your values, you know, I mean, ultimately something can be priced at any price, but the most important thing is what you feel good about. If, you know, if you want to charge $10,000 for an artwork, if that feels good to you, that's great. If you don't, if that doesn't feel good to you, you're unlikely to be able to sell it for that price. So it really needs to feel good for you. So that goes back to your values. Then go back to your role. So the role I think we've established is really to earn back enough money to be able to pay for more art supplies. So just keeping that in mind in terms of the pricing. 
you do need to sort of have a bit of an eye. I mean, art is really, really hard. I, I completely get where you're both coming from in terms of, you know, there's not a set price. It's not like moisturizer or shampoo where, you know, there's sort of a very well-established average price, high price and low price. But just understanding, you know, if you're charging $50 per piece, how many pieces would you need to make in order to pay for, you know, to get the money back to be able to um, pay for your art supplies? And is that achievable? Again, going back to, you know, not being able to hit your goals, if that means that you have to create, you know, 50 a month, well, that might not be possible. But if it's five, then it might be possible. It's like reverse engineering, isn't it? So like setting that goal and reverse engineering. And did you have a download that you had a cash flow? You've got something on your website, don't you? Yes, I do. I do have a cash flow tracker. So yeah, I haven't got the automatic link on my website yet. I do have one for pricing though. So if they want the, if anybody's interested in the pricing download, best place to really get it quickly is to go to my Instagram profile, which is the underscore flow underscore society and hit links and it'll have pricing download there. Oh, that's going to be useful. Okay. That sounds really good. We'll put all your links in the show notes so everyone can access that and take a look. Beautiful. Thank you. And then also... I wanted to say (laughs) I came across this really good gauge for whether your pricing is too low because I imagine a lot of our listeners are in that space and it is actually like you're saying, it's your emotions and it's if you sold your artwork to somebody for $10, how would you feel afterwards? Would you feel resentful? It's actually a really powerful question. Would you feel resentful? If you shifted it up to 20, how would that make you feel And it's a really good tracker because I think a lot of our listeners will be pricing quite low at the start and then they will learn from that essentially. I think that's the other thing is a lot of the time we just have to start, see what happens, see how it feels, see what the response is and, you know, go that way. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, you know, I may work in the field, but there have been times when I've taken on a client and they've just gone, whoa, this is a lot of work for not a lot of return. So, you know, it doesn't mean you failed if you uh, do feel that resentment, but it's really good to forecast that out, you know, and just go, okay, well, I'm gonna not going to make that mistake again. I feel like you learn a lot of lessons when you step into business, don't you? And like, I think your confidence grows. For me, I've been raising my prices and it gets easier each time. So a valuable piece of information that I got was when I had my first solo show and that was from my art mentor, Susan Nethercutt, like I was sort of going through like, what should I price my work? And she actually gave me advice to sell like under, like I sort of priced them like under the hundred dollar mark. So some of them like were sort of around the $80 range and then I sort of had 95 or like, yeah. And that was like really good just to sell multiples. So I was getting that momentum And it's like, okay, like this is validating for me because if I did price it at a higher price point, I probably might've only made one or two sales. I feel like this comes back to your idea, Eliza, of the roles. So perhaps for you, Laura, in that instance, the role of your exhibition and your artwork sales was not necessarily the finance, but getting your art out and getting your name out. And that's the purpose that that served. Perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Nailed it. (laughs) And then as you grow and evolve and your confidence grows, you can reassess. And like you were saying, Roz, that emotional aspect too, like 
do I feel resentful like selling my work for this much? And then I think that's a really important thing to consider. Um, And on the topic of making sales through exhibitions, I just wanted to refer our listeners as well to episode 21, where we have ideas for making more money from your art. So if you haven't listened to that one already, go and check out episode 21. Now, Eliza, is there anything else you want to share today around some awesome tips for creatives or where people can find out about you? Yeah. Well, I would say I probably have covered my tips just in terms of, you know, you're doing great in terms of just making that leap. And we've all made that leap, whether we're creatives or not. And But I love that. And you guys have got a gift and you need to get it out in the world. So please don't be shy. By underpricing, I suppose, you know, I, I, again, I mentioned this before, but by underpricing, it just means you you can't share your gift for as long and we need your gifts. So keep going. So if you did want to hear more about pricing, as I said, um, probably go to Instagram and the link in bio and there's a little link there that will say pricing. So would love to hear from you. Beautiful. And so you're on Instagram. What did we have? The underscore flow underscore society. Yes, Instagram. Good. And do you have a website as well? You do. I know you do. What is your website? <laughs> it's theflowsociety.com.au. Without the AU, you'll go to a board short brand and obviously that's not me. That's a good name actually for a board short brand. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> awesome. And do you have anything exciting coming up? Anything new coming up or, you know? Yes, I've created a couple of new offers, actually. One is just to do your budget for you for the year ahead. So a cash flow budget, just in terms of knowing, you know, how much is coming in on out. And so that's a new service. It's not, not, not on my website as yet. I'm getting that fixed. Websites are not my thing. But DM me and I can send you the link. And I've also got some, a couple of new offers coming out in the new year around just sort of a pick your brain type session. And I actually hate that saying so I need to think of a better (laughs) (laughs) ask me anything is the other one ask me anything thank you so I've got that coming out in the new year as well so yeah lots of fun stuff and Christmas of course I mean I love Christmas so yeah all going well this should be released I think the day before Christmas is that right Laura 24th of December oh okay yeah you're probably more onto it than me to be honest Roz Merry Christmas Eve everyone I'd need to refer to our Trello board Oh, yes, I should have made it time bound. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, all good, all good. <laughs> all right, Laurel, a big thank you from us and I'll be hitting up your website after this. Thank you. It was so good to talk to you both. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.